A family of four moves to a new house out in the country, looking for a little peace and quiet. Louis Creed, his wife Rachel, his daughter Ellie, his toddler son Gage, and their pet cat Church. When they move in, they realize they live right in front of a busy road frequented by big rig trucks that drive outrageously fast. Their neighbor, an elderly man named Judd Crandall, befriends the family and tells Lewis about a powerful dark magic near the local pet cemetery, a power that can resurrect the dead. But the things that come back don't come back the same. Sometimes, dead is better. Today on Filmgasm, I will walk you through the original 1989 film adaptation of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, as well as give you my thoughts on the newly released remake that came out last weekend. So it goes without saying here, but spoiler warning for both versions as well as the book. Before we get started, thanks for tuning in, you beautiful bastards. My name is Connor Gary. I'm a massive film buff, and Filmgasm is a podcast where I talk about my favorite genre, horror, as well as weird Hollywood shit that piques my interest. If you'd like to see more from Filmgasm, feel free to visit Filmgasm.com. That's F-I-L-M-G-A-Z-M. You can check out daily movie reviews, articles about movies, the newest trailers, and all of my early podcasts that I did with my partners, some of whom will be appearing as featured guests in the future. I hope you enjoyed last week's epic Tarantino two-parter. We had a lot of fun doing that. For the next Weird Shit Wednesday, which will be episode 10, my partner Austin Johnson and I will be discussing the career of Roman Polanski and the molestation scandal that caused him to flee to Europe in 1978, where he remains to this day. Is it possible to separate great works like Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown from the many dark sins that Polanski has committed? Find out in a few weeks in episode 10. Now, Pet Cemetery began life as a novel by Stephen King. It was published in 1983. On the book's Wikipedia page, it provides some interesting background on the novel's inception. In 1979, King was a writer-in-residence at the University of Maine, and the house he was renting was adjacent to a major road where dogs and cats were often killed by oncoming trucks. After his daughter's cat was killed by a truck along that road, he explained the death of the pet to his daughter and buried the cat. Three days later, the cat came back. Notkin. King imagined what would happen if a family suffered the same tragedy, but if the cat came back to life fundamentally wrong. He then imagined what would happen if that family's young son were also killed by a passing truck. He decided to write a book based on these ideas, and that the book would be a retelling of The Monkey's Paw, a short story by W.W. Jacobs from 1902 about parents whose son resurrects after they wish for him to come back. I've read that story, and it's, it's where, you know, be careful what you wish for came from. And King has gone on record stating that of all the novels he has written, Pet Cemetery is the one which genuinely scared him the most. Just think about that for a moment. Stephen King is responsible for stories like The Shining, Cujo, Salem's Lot, Misery, and It, just to name some of his scariest work off the top of my head. But Pet Cemetery is the one that freaked him out the most. And, you know, I'll admit, having read the novel, it is pretty eerie. It's just, you know, it's about how do you handle grief? It's something we all have to experience at some point, regardless of, you know anything it's just it's part of the human experience and pet cemetery captures the nature of grief perfectly it's you know anger and confusion and fear just all wrapped up in this painful cocktail and the fear of grief or you know yeah the fear of grief 
is something that both film adaptations failed to capture for, in my opinion, just because of so many problems that they both have. And that's why we're here. So let's jump right into it. The original Pet Cemetery came out in 1989 and was directed by Mary Lambert, whose prior directing credits included a shit ton of Madonna, Janet Jackson, and Chris Isaac music videos and 1989's Siesta, which was about an American woman with amnesia in Spain trying to solve a murder she may or may not have committed. So maybe not the best hands for one of King's most personal novels. To date, Pet Cemetery and its sequel are the only wide-released horror films that she has directed. However, Stephen King himself wrote the screenplay, so who's really at fault here? I mean, you'd think if King himself was monitoring this one, you know, after The Shining, he pretty much was heavily involved in most projects. So, you know, if this was so personal, you'd think he would give it his all, or I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe this is just an unfilmable story. Um, so the film stars Dale Midkiff as Lewis Creed. Midkiff at the time was known for playing Elvis Presley in the TV movie Elvis and Me. So that was kind of his claim to fame prior to this. Uh, Fred Gwynn is Judd Crandall. Gwynn was known for his role as Herman Munster on The Munsters. Denise Crosby is Rachel Creed. And Crosby has earned uh, more horror street cred in the past few years for her role as Mary the matriarch of the Terminus Cannibals in seasons four and five of The Walking Dead. You remember that, for those of you who are Walking Dead fans like myself, she's the nice old lady who greets Rick and the survivors at the gates of Terminus at the end of season four, and is like, welcome, come be part of our group, your your troubles are over. When in reality, she's luring them into this cannibal compound, and they're all going to eat Rick's group. It's really fucked up. Uh... Blaze Birdall plays Ellie, and Miko Hughes plays Young Gage, and uh, they both haven't really done anything of note beyond bit parts in other horror movies. I think uh, Miko Hughes, the, the young boy Gage, he had a role in uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, one of my personal favorites. But, yeah, nothing really substantial beyond Pet Cemetery. So Pet Cemetery has a 6.6 on IMDb and a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes reads, quote, Pet Cemetery is a bruising horror flick that wears its quirks on its sleeves to the detriment of its scare factor. I couldn't agree more. It's the scares are just gone. My biggest problem with the original Pet Cemetery really is the pacing, which admittedly affects a lot of adaptations of King's work. The film is rushed. You know, I mean with the Admittedly, you know, with a 300-page book, you have a lot more time to get to know people, to get to establish all this before shit hits the fan. In the movie, you don't really have that kind of time. For example, Church the Cat. By the time Church was hit by a car in the book, we had already been with these characters for like half the book. We'd gotten to know them. We loved them. We didn't want them to get hurt. It hurt our feelings when Church the Cat died. We really liked Church. In the movie, that scene happens within the first 20 minutes. Which totally takes away the entire point of the scene in the book itself. You know, it's a fish out of water. Like, you know, can we make it work out here? And then Ellie losing her cat just shows that, no, this place is evil. This place is against them. 
in the movie, you don't really have enough time to make that, like, to come to that conclusion before things start happening. The story is about mankind's innate fear of death and how we'll do anything in our power to be in control of it. The movie has bits of that, but it sacrifices a lot of the ambiance and the subtext in favor of a few grisly, gory moments like Judd getting his Achilles tendon sliced. It's cringe-inducing, but it doesn't add anything to the story. It just makes you go, for a moment. And the remake was guilty of the same thing. But at least the 1989 original bothered to preserve the story and didn't mess with the source material. Probably because Stephen King was the one writing the screenplay. Granted, I'm very much a purist, but, you know, that shouldn't matter. Why mess with a good story when you've got everything you need right there? Why do people feel the need to put in their own two cents when they adapt a book or a, or a short story or a stage play? It's, the story's already there. You don't. We don't need, we don't want anything else. We want this. So just give us this. This isn't your story. This is somebody else's that you are putting to film. If anything, I think they have an obligation to do right by the story. That's why I think the only director who should be allowed to adapt King's work is Frank Darabont. Say what you want about the guy, but he's done three King adaptations, and they've all been outstanding because he's stuck with the source material. Mostly. He changed the ending of The Mist a bit, but, you know, I know I'm coming off as a hypocrite here, but the, the ending in the movie actually did work really well. He did The Shawshank Redemption, he did The Green Mile, and he did The Mist. All great films, but, you know, I digress. Uh, so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite part of the original Pet Cemetery, and that's the closing song, Pet Cemetery" by the Ramones. Despite being one of their biggest hits, and a big favorite of mine, uh, the song was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Original Song. Clearly the Razzie Awards have got something against Stephen King. I mean, you know, after all the quote-unquote awards they gave to The Shining, and now this. For more on The Shining, check out Filmgasm Episode 1, where I go over that. Great movie. Uh, the song appeared on their 1989 album Brain Drain, and was a big hit. So, 1989, Pet Cemetery. Here's some Filmgasm facts. Now, IMDb is filled with weird trivia and fun facts about every film ever made. So in this segment, I seek out the ones that I think are the funniest, weirdest, or just plain bizarre and interesting, so I'll share them with you. Here we go, straight from IMDb. Number one, Bruce Campbell was the first choice for the role of Lewis Creed. How fucking awesome would that have been? Another Elvis. Bruce Campbell himself playing Lewis Creed would have drastically changed this movie. I... He's got a presence about him that is unique, and we will definitely be doing Evil Dead down the road. I cannot wait. One of my favorite franchises. Number two. The original cut of the film delivered to Paramount's executives, which judged to be too long, so excess footage had to be removed. They also decided that the closing scene was too tame, and at their request it was reshot to be more graphic. That's weird, because usually, especially, you know, back in the day, films were cut because they were too gory, not because they weren't, you know, gory or graphic enough. So this is a weird thing for Paramount to want. Like, you know, just, I don't think that's going to scare people enough. Put more in it. Like, weird. Number three. Mary Lambert, the director, sees Victor Pascal, the kind of wandering spirit that 
tries to keep Lewis away from the pet cemetery. She sees Pascal as the good angel and Judd Crandall as the bad angel. As really, he's the one that Lewis should be ignoring. And his wardrobe, especially the large jacket he's wearing when they find church, is meant to suggest darkness. So, really, the creepy, dead-looking ghost is the good guy, the good angel on the shoulder trying to say, you know, let it go, let it die, leave this alone. And Judd, this kindly old man who's a good, or grow, you know, budding friend of the family, is like, yeah, there's power out there, and you should go check it out. Interesting. Interesting way to look at it. Number four. Stephen King himself has a cameo as the minister presiding over Gage's funeral. He likes to pop up in a lot of his work. Um, my personal favorite was on the uh, Mr. Mercedes show on um, AT&T Audience Network. There's a scene where the villain, Brady Hartsfield, is kind of surveying a restaurant, like looking around, imagining killing everybody in the restaurant. And Stephen King is lying out of the kitchen with a knife in the back of his head. And it's, it's nice. It's a good, it's a funny touch. And number five, in the book, there are several callbacks to Stephen King's The Shining, some of which carry over into the film. Victor Pascal calls Lewis Doc, which was Danny Torrance's nickname. And throughout the film, it's shown that the Creed family suffer from nightmarish visions and premonitions, implying they all have the ability to shine. The Shining itself is a metaphysical power that Stephen King has utilized in many of his books, and it kind of represents a you know, wider part of his shared universe. A lot of different characters in his books can shine. They have psychic powers. Carrie White and Carrie, uh, The Losers Club and It, uh, Randall Flagg, his big bad from The Stand, they can shine. So it's not entirely crazy that Lewis Creed seeing Victor Pascal, you know, his ghost. It's not crazy to think that couldn't be... You think It's not crazy to think that could be a shine. Excuse me. Just a neat thought. I like the whole idea of a shared universe, and Stephen King does it better than most. Uh, there was a sequel made in 1992 called Pet Cemetery 2, starring Edward Furlong, Anthony Edwards, and Clancy Brown. It's about a young boy named Jeff Matthews who moves to Ludlow, Maine with his stepfather after his mother is electrocuted in a bizarre accident on a film set. He befriends Drew Gilbert, who tells him about the Pet Cemetery and its ancient powers, which, what's in it, Jeff figures maybe it could bring back Mom. Pet Cemetery 2 has a 4.8 on IMDb and a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. There was no critic consensus. Don't think I'll be checking this one out anytime soon. So, after the massive success of 2017's It, a large number of Stephen King-related projects were greenlit by various studios, including a remake of Pet Cemetery that came out just this past weekend on April 5th, 2019. Now, behind Avengers Endgame, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and John Wick 3, Pet Cemetery was probably the movie I was looking forward to the most this summer. Suffice it to say, I was quite disappointed. Now, if you've already read my review on Filmgasm.com, you'll know why I was disappointed. But if not, I'm about to tell you again, so here we go. 
Now, the story of the new Pet Cemetery is quite different from the novel and the 1989 film, so if you haven't seen it yet, stop listening here, go see it, then come back and finish. Consider this your final spoiler warning. Okay. We're going to keep going? All right. I warned you. 2019's Pet Cemetery was directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer, two up-and-comers who wrote and directed two horror films I have never seen. 2009's Absence, 2014's Starry Eyes, and three episodes of The Scream Show on MTV. Now, I'm all for up-and-comers cutting their teeth on an iconic piece of pop culture, but I'd, I'd hope for more. Just like Mary Lambert, they didn't have a whole lot of experience before being handed the reins to one of King's most personal novels, and it shows. The film stars Jason Clark as Lewis Creed. Clark, you might recognize as one of those faces you know you've seen in a hundred movies, but you couldn't remember his name with a gun to your head. Here's a few. Lawless, Zero Dark Thirty, The Great Gatsby, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Terminator Genesis, and I could go on. He's very prolific. John Lithgow plays Judd Crandall. Lithgow is one of my all-time favorite actors. You may know him as Dick Solomon from Third Rock from the Sun or the Trinity Killer in Season 4 of Dexter. As far as his recent roles, he appeared in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Interstellar, The Accountant, and the Netflix series The Crown as Winston Churchill. Uh, Amy Samitz? Samitz? Simitz? Samitz, I think. Plays Rachel Creed. Samitz has appeared in the Get Shorty TV show, Stranger Things, and Alien Covenant, just to name a few. Jette Lawrence, who plays Ellie, is no newcomer, despite being only 11. She appeared in the crime thriller disaster, The Snowman, and had a recurring role on the Amazon Prime original series, Sneaky Pete. So despite an eerie trailer, a creepy tone, a decent cast, and an impeccable score from Christopher Young, Pet Cemetery was panned by critics and viewers alike. It has an IMDb score of 6.3 and a current Rotten Tomatoes score of 59% that is dropping on a daily basis. It was 91% when they started, but it's under 60 now. The critic consensus, which used to read, sometimes remade is better, now reads, Pet Cemetery takes its source material in a few different directions, but this remake feels like an exhuming almost as often as it does a revival. I guess remade wasn't better after all. <laughs> So, the big, uh, unforgivable, really, change that this film does is it opts to have Ellie be the one who's hit by the truck instead of Gage. A plot twist that the filmmakers spoiled in the second trailer for inexplicable reasons. I don't know why they did that. Like, I think that if I hadn't known that was coming, it might have been better. Because I, I had a few months to kind of, you know, think about that and think... That's a bad idea. Why would they do that? If I just had known about that, you know, I might not have had this reaction. The creepiest thing about Gage dying and then coming back in the novel and the original movie is that you understand from the moment he shows up that this is not Gage. This is some dark monster that looks like Gage. But when undead Ellie shows up, she's basically just Ellie, but an angry, vengeful version of her who's pissed that her family didn't save her. She talks too much, she monologues, she sucks all the terror just right out of the last half of the movie. Instead of the film ending with Lewis resurrecting his wife because he's so broken that he can't live without his family no matter what, 
The film ends with Ellie murdering both her parents, resurrecting them in the pet cemetery, and then the three of them go after little Gage with the film cutting to black before they can get to him. It's a shock ending with zero substance that erases the whole, you know, be careful what you wish for angle of the book. It's disappointing to anybody who loves that story. Like myself, it's insulting. Like, you know, again, the story's there. People love the story. The story was a huge hit. People want to see that story. You can, you know, take your own, you can put your own spin on it, but the basic story should remain the same. You know, that's why I hated the, uh, the Dark Tower adaptation they made a couple years ago. Just, it was so condensed and watered down. It was like Dark Tower light. It was so bad. It was eight books just smushed together into an hour and a half movie. Ugh. It's like, why do you even bother greenlighting these projects if you're not going to care about the finished product? It's ridiculous. Alright, enough of my soapbox. Time for more Filmgasm facts. This time... About the 2019 Pet Cemetery. Number one. Stephen King proposed an alternate ending where Gage is walking up the middle of the road, Dawn is approaching, and a truck is heard coming. And you think, oh god, he's going to get greased in the road. This, that's how this is going to end. He's going to die. Then at the last second, this woman pulls him out of the road and rescues him and says, where's your mommy and daddy? And that's how you end the thing, King said. But that isn't what they show. The balls on these guys. Stephen King said, like, hey, this would be a cool idea. And they're like, no. Because, you know, what would Stephen King know about (laughs) good ideas in a story, in a horror story like this? Yeah. It's not like it's his life's work or anything. Number two. The evil force in the Pet Cemetery novel is the Wendigo, a Native American Indian demon that haunts the land and influences the hearts of men. And... The Wendigo was mentioned briefly in this version of the movie, not the original, which was cool. It's cool that they brought that up. The Wendigo feeds on human flesh and grows bigger the more it eats, and its hunger and craving stays in proportion to its size, so it's forever starving. You understand? The bigger it gets, the more hungry it gets, so it'll always be hungry for human flesh. Eventually... After wandering the woods of Canada and Minnesota, the ever-starving Wendigo made its way to Ludlow, Maine, the setting of Pet Cemetery. Judd, Lewis's neighbor, shed some initial light on the history of the Wendigo and Ludlow in the movie. And, of course, you know, being a lifetime resident of Ludlow, Judd knows enough not to venture toward the burial ground all too often. Because who knows, that Wendigo might be out there. That's the power and the source of the power. Number four. I mean, number three. Sorry. Number three. According to King Lore, Ludlow is about an hour drive from Castle Rock, the setting of quite a few works by the writer, including The Dead Zone, Cujo, The Dark Half, and Needful Things. It's also the setting of the Hulu series Castle Rock, which will be debuting its second season sometime this year, I think. Very much looking forward to that. I mostly enjoyed the first season of Castle Rock. It was a little strange, but all the pieces were there. And season two is going to have Annie Wilkes. It's going to have the uh, the Merrill family. Tim Robbins is going to be in it. I think it's going to be cool. And number four, the end credits of Pet Cemetery feature a cover of the Ramones song "Pet Cemetery" by a band called Starcrawler. So at least we got that, which is nice because I was really hoping for a cover or just the original song. 
playing at the end credits, so at least they did that. So, for my final score, I'm going to give both Pet Cemetery films a 6 out of 10. I just think they both missed the mark for different reasons. And, you know, with with both Pet Cemetery and Us disappointing me, 2019 is starting to look like a bad year for horror movies. And I know we're just starting out, and I know there's those of you who loved Pet Cemetery loved Us, and that's that's cool. You're entitled to that opinion, but, you know, I just... I didn't like them, and I was I was bummed out. Here's hoping Annabelle Comes Home and the Child's Play remake are both something special. So, that's all I got for Pet Cemetery. Thanks for listening. If you want to see more from Filmgasm, feel free to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or YouTube for weekly videos every Wednesday. And you can check the website, filmgasm.com. You can check social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for updates on reviews, podcasts, articles, any sort of cool movie news or trailers that we feel like mentioning. I want to thank Austin Johnson and Caleb Leger for keeping the site fully stocked with reviews and articles. And I'd like to thank a new reviewer on the Filmgasm team, Josh Allred, who recently reviewed uh, Hatchet, a movie I haven't seen but I would like to see. So welcome to the team. Look forward to seeing all sorts of horror reviews from you, Josh. And uh, stay tuned next Wednesday for another Filmgasm. In the meantime... If you lose your pet, maybe don't bury it in an Indian burial ground. If you lose your child, definitely don't bury them in an Indian burial ground. Remember, sometimes dead is better.